0: Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka, welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socio economic class division, and gender based violence. Joining us on the line today from South Africa is Dr. Shirley Zinn, whose career has spanned academic, corporate, and public sector roles. Some of her former positions include Group Head of Human Resources at Woolworths Holdings Limited, Head of Human Resources of Standard Bank South Africa, General Manager for Human Resources at the South African Revenue Service. She has also previously served as an extraordinary professor at the University of Pretoria's Faculty of Economic and Management Sciences, as well as adjunct professor at the University of Cape Town, to mention a few. In addition, she's received numerous accolades like the World Human Resources Congress for Excellence in Global HR Leadership, Africa's Most Influential Woman in Business and Government in the SME sector by CEO Global. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Looking at your profile, it reminds me of a wonderful leadership quote by Harry Firestone, The growth and development of people is the highest calling of leadership. Your leadership roles have been geared around human resources and cultivating talent for organizations. Please, can you walk us through some of the key milestones in your journey so far?
1: Thank you so much, Marie, for having me and a warm welcome to your listeners. Maybe I'll just roll back a little bit and talk about how it all came about But I do believe that just to your point about leadership roles are geared around um, unlocking and unleashing talent and potential in people is really the biggest purpose I can say um, for me in the work that I do. And it's not coincidental that 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 is the case. I grew up on the Cape Flats here in the Western Cape. As we know, the Cape Flats is a spatial arrangement set up by the apartheid government to create divisions amongst uh, racial lines. It's a place of deep socioeconomic challenges, of gender-based violence, of gangsterism, of alcoholism, and enormous unemployment and abject poverty, and very little hope in incredible despair. And this is where we grew up. But somehow in all of that, my parents didn't finish their high school um, themselves, but they understood the importance of education and that somehow education would be our liberation and and continue to encourage us to learn and to study, um, whether it be formally or informally. And my dad used to sit us down from a very, very early age and and used to say, please do not get sucked into this place. Please find a way to make something of yourself and move yourself from this place. And um, our city eventually, you know, what is it really that you would like us to achieve? And he said, please just pass your matric, just get your high school certificate and then you can get a proper job and you can take care of yourself. And my mother on the flip side was, was more about, um, well, my father was more about vision, although he didn't use fancy words like that. My mom was more about values um, and I was going to come to realize that vision, values and purpose is such an important part of one's narrative ultimately and my mom used to talk about respect for other people she used to talk about humility but not a humility that is defined as you're being weak because sometimes humility is viewed if you're too humble, people think well now we can walk all over you, but it's a humility that enables you to question your assumptions, to listen to other people's ideas, to get up when you're down, to apologize when you're wrong, and it's that kind of humility that she was talking about and she talked about the necessity for hard work combined with excellence she talked about you've got to do what you do to the very best of your ability, whatever it is that you do, you don't have to be perfect because I think that's the other trap we fall into very quickly, Um, and so just do what you can do to the best of your ability on a given day. And then perhaps one final message I think that was important for me and has carried me through, especially this last 18 to 20 months, is around the importance of kindness and generosity of spirit and service to humanity and our humanness, and that we shouldn't lose all of that in the hustle and bustle of life. And so for me, those were the key messages which have influenced and shaped my thinking for many, many years. And so, you know, my sister and I went to a primary school up the road and it became very dangerous to to walk that road. And we stayed with my grandmother on the other side of the school. You know, the extended family and the support structures are so important as well. And I think that's a very big thing for us to reflect on as well. We live in a world now of remote work, hybrid work, um, extended hours, enormous pressure, and how much it has to be valued when you have people around you, whether it be family or just neighbours, that we're creating a world that is supportive of our children um, and children can be in safe places and learn and grow and thrive, especially girls. My grandmother, as tough as she was, was the one that that instilled in us, you know, the whole notion of of being disciplined and creating order out of confusion and arriving on time, and so that was kind of the formative years. I think those are such important elements of of what it means to to actually try and be resilient and deal with the curveballs of life, deal with tragedy. And I'm happy to talk more about this as as we as we go on and how we unlock that potential within people. And just one last little snip, um, when we went to high school um, and I finally got to matric in 1979, I had two teachers who actually sat me down and said to me, you know what? You're not the brightest bee in the pod here. We know you're working hard, but you're not kind of smashing the lights out. You're not the big A student. Um, But we believe that you have the potential to do so much more than you think is imaginable. And I was blown Off my chair because the first part of the sentence was, Okay, so what are we saying? And the second part of the sentence was, Wow, they actually think that I have potential. And so I said, What do you mean? And they said, We would like you to go home and have a conversation about university to your parents and have that conversation tonight. And come back tomorrow if they said yes, we're going to help you to fill in your forms and apply for a bursary. And we believe that this is something that you can do. That is where the true unlocking of potential came from those two teachers. And this is the power of education, to give hope, to plant the seed, to say to someone that you have, you have talent, you have magic, you can can do this, and we're we're here to support you. Thinking about all of those
0: different dynamics, I loved what you said in terms of your mom providing some of the aspects of values, your grandmother contributing again to looking at different components of values, your dad having the element of vision. And when you look at all of those elements together, it reminds me of of Simon Sinek's golden circle in terms of being purpose driven. And although we may not all have, have the words or the fancy terms to get to that point, that's, that's the essence and that's the directive and when you've got that strong support structure and people who believe in you, like you mentioned with your teachers, that just gives you this boost, I think, and almost an anchor as well to know that
1: what you're doing is right. I believe that as men and women in this world, um, where we believe in the values of fairness and of transparency and of optimism and wanting to build a better world if not for ourselves and for our children um, into the future that we need to harness our collective energy and get behind a single vision and a shared set of goals that says we want to leave this world a better place um, and we yes we have many challenges around uh, gender and race and socioeconomic challenges and and the difficulties that come with that. But I think that if we choose to live our lives with meaning and purpose, and truly want to make a difference to this world, we can work through the conflict. We can work through the, you know, um, through through the remnants of apartheid and what, you know, how it manifests in workplaces, in in, in our communities, in our societies, and we can um, find a way to break down those barriers. And and as Nelson Mandela says, you know, it always seems impossible till it's done. And, and find our core reason for being and care for each other more and and be more diligent and i, I remember and whenever i use the word care I, I i like to think about or it takes me to a time when i was on the executive committee of one of the the banks and um and you you know you talk about care and you talk about you know love in a boardroom um for people it's like we are a business, surely. We we are this soft and fluffy stuff it doesn't belong here. But I think that all the research that is coming out um, is beginning to show that organizations that care about their people, people being staff, customers, stakeholders, communities, regulators shareholders or whatever it is that is in your circle of relationships, if you've got a duty of care, if you are diligent in managing your relationships, if you are respectful to people, you can truly do amazing things together. And I think that while our legacy or our history has been a, a very tough one, I think there's so much opportunity because there's so much work to be done for us to deal with Things like underrepresentation of women in the workplace or on boards or in decision-making positions, um, because we can join hands with men who believe in fairness and in and in equity, and um, in a better world. Um, that don't want to see their own children, their own girls, um, in the same predicament in the next twenty years from now, um, and and just infuse some of that thinking into the strategies, into the policies, into the structures, into the framework, into career development into everything that we do. We still um, we still have the opportunity to do so much more. And today, I just hope that through this conversation, we can encourage people who are able to influence this to step up in even further and to lift uh, the agenda and take it take it to the next level.
0: Hi, I'm Zonke Dikana, a South African Afro soul musician, songwriter, and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today, we're talking to Dr. Shirley Zinn, who serves as a non-executive director on several corporate boards with a focus on strategic HR, business leadership, transformation, and women's development. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Thinking about some of those elements that you've just mentioned, particularly when we look at aspects of underrepresentation of of women, I'm always so disappointed that here we are, 2022, and we are still having this conversation which doesn't seem to be shifting the numbers. Uh, there was a, a PwC report in 2021 which published remuneration of executive directors in South Africa. And besides looking at the gender pay gaps, which I I think are quite frankly ridiculous at at 50% disparity between the median and and upper quartiles, what I also found particularly alarming was that only 13% of executives in this survey, uh, and executives being CEOs and CFOs, were women. Given your Human resource experience. What are some of your, let's say, expectations and experiences of how we can get more women into decision-making positions?
1: Oh, that's a very profound question, and I can, um, you know, only just share some of my personal, you know, journey um, in, in trying to respond to that. Because I think the research is very clear, um, and 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 there's a whole body of research beginning to evolve. And emerge around um, the paucity of women on boards and I think that it we've got to look at the from a human resources point of view the entire kind of um, 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 value chain if you like so from the time we recruit women into junior and entry-level jobs um, and then the development and the support for those women and growth of those women into into middle management into senior management uh, roles um, the sponsorship of this women, the mentorship of this woman, uh, the, the creating the diversity and inclusion and equity culture that it doesn't squeeze um, uh, women out. And my own personal story uh, um, is just to, to really make it uh, you know seriously real. Um, I've had an amazing um, career through most of my corporate life all of my qualifications are in education human resources and everything i know about it i've learned without any qualification sometimes we can start somewhere but the journey takes us somewhere else so the education foundation was a very important part of moving into human resource management and understanding a bit of psychology and human development and what makes people thrive and what makes people grow. And then infusing that into thinking about diversity and inclusion and career development for women and doing that deliberately, um, not just ticking boxes and saying, okay, we'll get the numbers right, but then there's the revolving door and people uh, people leave because um, they've just been given such a horrible experience in the workplace. And there's still a lot of... Um, some of the traditional command and control cultures that prevail. And, and in my career was literally flying. Um, I was at a company called Rickert Benckiser. I was head of Africa Middle East. And um, I'd never imagined that my career could, could move so, so, so wonderfully. And I would have had all these opportunities, often in male-dominated environments. I found that one has to not only be working harder, one has to be well-prepared, well-organized, really present yourself in a compelling way. And it takes a lot of emotional and time and effort and energy to to actually um, do that. I figured out eventually, you know, in order to win respect from people... I need to I need to present myself in that way. I need to be able to give and take as well, and not always be wanting my own my own way in in these meetings. But I think that as we navigated and, and had some of the tougher conversations about calling it out, you know, when you see this kind of um, um, behavior that starts to exclude people, or especially women, uh, you know, micro bullying or micromanagement. One actually has to call it out and one has to say that that wasn't fair if you believe in the value of fairness. That wasn't respectful. That wasn't unacceptable. And one has actually got to you know, do that. Otherwise, it doesn't stop. But do
0: you think that part of this and, and change is, one, I'd say having a person like you, occupying these types of positions, because you're a woman, you understand the the challenges that women experience, both the positive as well as the negative. And secondly, of being able to drive policy changes within an organisation to call out negative behaviour and to try to correct cultures into a a stream which would be
1: more uh, accommodating. Yeah, so the, the policy frameworks that follow how we recruit, how we retain, how we create inclusive cultures, how we help hold people accountable when they, when they step out of the frame, um, how we engage so that it's not only a compliance issue. It's about genuine, authentic relationships with people and understanding that diversity isn't about just gender and race, but it's about innovation. It's about creativity. It's about Um, honouring another person's perspective, I think if we can find a way to bring convergence to all of that and then take and pull that through all our policies, pull that to what organisations are beginning to articulate now is their purpose in the world. Um, There's been a lot of introspection, especially through COVID now, about, you know, what is Um, the purpose of business in society and in the world. So everything from um, diligence of care to clients and staff to um, the environment, to um, good governance, to calling out corruption, all of those elements now are are beginning to to converge and that we are custodians of what the future is and we we cannot um, be oblivious to that because we want to be profitable and that's our only purpose in life. And I think, you know, before it was all about the business of business is business, but this is morphing and changing at an incredible rate right now. And, and COVID has been a catalyst in many ways for that. Um, and, and the same applies to women, I suppose, if you want to use that overlay. But I just wanted to go back quickly to my story on record keys, because I think it, that is where a very important pivotal move in my own life, um, where I became to realise how important this is. So um, we came back from Boston, we came back to Cape Town, we moved to Pretoria because I landed a job in the Department of Public Service Administration, and then at some point we moved to Morningside in Sandton because because of the job at Rekapinkiza. But what happened to me was, you know, we used to come up and down to Cape Town for Christmas holidays, et cetera. We, I gave birth to our only child, um, our only son, Jamie, um, in the middle of my doctorate at Harvard, which is another story within the story. And we brought him home. At the same time, I brought the doctorate home. I brought his little baby home. And, um, you know, that was just amazing. And. And then the, my career took off, and and you know, trying to keep all of these things together as women is another thing that we often you know beat ourselves up about. Um, how do how we good mothers, how we good partners, and how do we how do we continue to be growing and and taking on the bigger jobs at work, and should we or shouldn't we, and the self doubt and all of those things that come with it. Um, but long story short, um, on the third of January two thousand and three, to be exact. We lost Jamie in a terrible car accident. And um, I'm very fortunate to have uh, lived through that because they, they thought in the first 24 hours I might not make it because of the injuries. And Kevin, my husband, who um, was driving the car, somebody hit us from behind. He had very severe injuries as well, but he had to call the paramedics. He had to see um, to Jamie, who had passed away on the scene. He had to get me to the hospital. It was it was the most devastating Moment of our lives, and of course, during this period now, I still have a build up to that day, and it's um, it's it just you know it was it was it was, a, it was a terrible time, um, and a devastating time. I think um, um you know for 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 many of us. So I just want to hold up people as well who have lost loved ones during this time, because this is our reality, and and that we are vulnerable as human beings. Um, wherever we find ourselves, and, and often we don't give ourselves the opportunity to express that vulnerability, you know, and how does it uh, change perhaps our perspective on things? And so when this happened, I, I didn't even think I was going to come back. I lost my confidence. I um, I had a long healing process to go through. I had to stop working at Record pinkies because I just it took me a very long time. And although they didn't want me to leave, they said to me, just take your leave and come back when you're healthy. And there were flowers and great wishes from everyone. And there was so much kindness and generosity and reaching out. Um, and, and I think what happened to me during that time was a shift um, that said, if I ever have to go back to corporates, I want every corporate to care about its people in this way. And I didn't think I was ever going to go back. So I started Shillies and consulting and I did a little bit of client work and projects. And eventually, um, the, some search firm came along, along and said, the South African Revenue Services is looking for a head of HR. Would you want to show up for the interview? And I said, no, I couldn't do that. But eventually, through much persuasion, I went. Um, and, and this is where I was able to rebuild my strength. But literally having to harness my intellectual capability, my emotional capability, my social capability, and perhaps my spiritual anchors, whatever that might mean, it all had to come together to get me to lift myself up, get the help I need and find a way to move forward. And I'm I'm telling you this because we we were talking about earlier about the, the whole value chain of somebody, especially women applying for a job at the entry level and working away through an organization or multiple organizations. And the journeys that we have to go through as as women in workplaces often that that do not understand these complexities or appreciate it or care, quite frankly. So I think that um, a lot of what we're seeing in, to go back to your original question about, you know, what can we do to ensure that we we get uh, more women on boards? It's when I'm able to sit in a boardroom myself, um, which I've been very fortunate to you know, serve on, on five listed boards all at the same time now um, to say that we have to make sure that in every opportunity we get, we are having a common a conversation not about we need to get the numbers, but about the richness, the depth, the opportunity to do what is right. Thank you for
0: sharing your story. And I'm sorry, it was so devastating listening to you. It also made me realize uh, the authenticity that comes through from you and the fact that as a a whole person, a real person living in this world, these are unfortunately the realities that, that we experience and taking into consideration the last 24 odd months of the COVID pandemic. These are things that people experience and we cannot divorce the person from the position. We are whole people and these are, are elements that we encounter on, on a daily basis. That's where I think that word that you use, care, comes through so strongly. Uh, so thank you for, for sharing your, your story on, on that and, and giving us such a, a reality check. Hi, I'm Zonke Digana, a South African Afro soul musician, songwriter and producer. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Today, we're talking to Dr. Shirley Zinn, who serves as a non-executive director on several corporate boards with a focus on strategic HR, business leadership, transformation and women's development. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Dr. Zinn, we've been talking about aspects of, of women in the workplace, naturally because of us having this gender-based show. We've focused a lot within the corporate space. There's one more question that I wanted to ask you in relation to, to corporate boards. It stems from a, a report that I came across from Professor Nita Bosch from Stellenbosch University which covered women in South African boards and and also extended across to BRICS nations. And she used the following descriptions describing different phases of female representation at board level. The first one was one woman on board is the invisibility phase. Two women on a board, the conspiracy phase. Three women on a board, critical mass. What are your views about these phases?
1: Yeah, I, I've been following um, Professor Bosch's work with great interest, and um, I do believe that um, what she's saying is is true. Because I've been there in many ways. Um, you know, I, I have often been an only woman on an executive committee when I was an executive, and now I can often find myself as being the one uh, one woman. <laughs> Um, um, on the board, and and yeah, there is the in- invisibility phase, and it's incredible in- hard work to to kind of be visible and be heard. I must say that the boards that I've I've been serving on, um, they have really worked to get you know to the critical mass stage. You can't just have one and then or two and think you can tick the box because you do not get a balanced dynamic going in a conversation when you you only have out of ten people one or one or two from uh, that is you know differently gendered if you like so um so I think that that is a is a is a, is a huge challenge and I think you know representativity now I mean we are focusing on gender but it's across LG, lgbtqi plus it's around age it's around you know millennials it's around uh, depth of experience and skills and all sorts of um, different perspectives and lenses that people bring into a meeting. But the fact is that there are some boards with zero women on them. And that just has to be completely unacceptable. Um, in a world where we have all these regulations, legislations, we um, we, we don't necessarily have quotas as they have in other countries. Um, like, like Norway and others where they have actually said 50% and we'll get there, um, and if we don't, these are the consequences. So we made it voluntary here for, you know, you put forward your targets and you report on how you're progressing against your targets every year, for example, if you're financial, if you, sorry, if you're listed on the JSE, for example, or um, otherwise it's government and BE and all of those disclosures that you have to make. So the unfortunate reality is that there are a lot, of of organizations still in the zero space. And we need to figure out, um, you know, what special sanction needs to go into that because they slip through the report every year and because they see that, oh, there are no real consequences, and nothing happens. Um, And there's so much focus on on some of the other elements. There needs to be some groundswell around that. And then I think, you um, you know, where there's one or two um, we we need to be saying we need to see one or two more. In you know, in, in, when, when a vacancy emerges, you have to be properly focused on making sure that you are going to choose a woman for your next your next vacancy. And then there's always the story of but like, we can't find them, you know. Um, and 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 then you also have the virtuous circle of you you start to choose people. Um, the same people um, and then people start to have conflicts of interest because now we're on this board, we're on that board and they're doing things together and then it's not optimal so it doesn't work and I think the important thing is also the networks um, and not networks just for the sake of um, I know somebody's going to help me to get onto a board, it's it's real genuine relationships with people um, who already care about your, your progress and you care about theirs as well um so so it was being on professional bodies, having your voice heard, not just being a passive member, but being active in your in your work um, and and in your profession, joining um, uh, in, in in initiatives like like business engage, I'm, I'm serving on that particular board as well. so I'm not not pushing it, but I'm saying that they represent what was called the 30 percent club where there was an, a, a worldwide movement. Um, from both men and women in in, in the C-suite to say um, we will move towards thirty percent. We now say we want to move. We must get to at least to fifty percent now. Okay, um, but the concept the concept was there. But but you know equality and and representation. And then I'm on the International Women's Federation of South Africa, for example, and other bodies like BWA and and organizations like this where we can strategize, where we can get uh, together, where we can sponsor, mentor and support and give up our time to grow others, not just women helping women, but but men helping men and women to understand the role of women in society, in businesses, in, in the economy. Um, I think those are some of the things that we, we have to do. And now is probably the very best time to start to address this questions in a very significant way, and going beyond the theory to the practice, and a call to action that says, let's try and be more inclusive. Let's look at all the possibilities of women. And then there are lots of incubators and women in the pipeline. The problem with that often can be is you're always in training and you never get the opportunity. And all of us have to be given the opportunity because all of us had to start somewhere with something. So I think we have to stop this this narrative about we can't find people and we we need to broaden our horizons and we need to go out there and give the opportunity to to younger women, especially coming through the ranks.
0: Thank you for all of those statements and also about the bodies, organisations that are out there and doing the work to, to try to build a more inclusive society to try to mentor, coach, and sponsor women so that they get access to these opportunities. Because you're right, if you don't have access to an opportunity, one will never know how you can deliver, how you can perform. But the evidence comes through when you're presented with that opportunity and and are able to deliver on it. We are unfortunately coming towards the end end of the show I know that in our conversation earlier, you spoke about some of the value elements from your mom, the vision elements from your dad. And those, for me, have constituted as as areas that are factors to to your success. But to just elaborate on that point, please, can you tell us about some of the factors that you consider to have contributed towards
1: your success? I think that... I was very fortunate to have parents who were not financially, you know, capable, but who had a vision around, you know, education would liberate you somehow. So, um, so continue to learn. I think that was a big message. Now, I quite literally took that to heart. I'm not advocating that everybody goes and does, uh, you know, um, um, all these degrees, but uh, what I am saying is that again, because the world is changing so quickly, a lot of what we learned a few years ago is obsolete. So we've got to stay on top of our game. We've got to continue to learn. We've got to have been peer groups where we share information. We've got to listen to these sorts of podcasts and we need to find the role models, people who we we can aspire to, maybe people we might even meet um, and reaching out to people. So, what my book has actually also done is enable people who I might never have engaged with to share their story with me. And I think we all have stories and often we, we, we don't share that enough um, um, to inspire others. And so, so that was really what the essence of, of that book was. But for me to say, no matter what the adversity is, no matter you know, what the trauma or the tragedy is, we have uh, amazing resilience to rise above that in, in ways that doesn't diminish us. But but you know grounds us and take us takes us lifts us even higher. Um, it, these are all sort of pivotal for me, and um, I know that some of those hopefully could be pivotal for many others out there. For
0: me, that's the amazing thing about this question: is that everybody comes from a, a different context. There is no one recipe for for success. And I think it's so refreshing for people to, to hear that, to, to know that, and to understand that their journey is their journey, but to take learnings from other women who have walked their own respective journeys to see that maybe maybe that element will, will work for me and I can incorporate that into my particular success story. I get a sense that you are, are fed by so many different people and the different people touch your life in different ways but equally so you give so much back you don't hold on to that selfishly it's about being able to impart it and and being able to share it so lastly as we close out our conversation today and as we roll into 2022 I'm still struggling getting 2022 (laughs) off of my tongue. (laughs) please share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to girls and women
1: in Africa that are are listening to our show Um, thank you so much Uh, that's such an honor to do that and um, I want to encourage girls um, and women to um, to share their stories because we all have one and I want to say to them, let nothing dim the light that shines from within you. And I'm now quoting from Maya Angelou. Um, and I have learned in life that I still have a lot to learn, so remain teachable. And then one of my favorites from Nelson Mandela is a good head and a good heart are always a formidable combination. And I'm fundamentally an optimist. So, um so those are, are some of the things that, that I think are important. And perhaps one last thing, um, what counts in life is not the mere fact that we have lived. It is the difference we have made to the lives of others that will determine the significance of the life we lead. I think it's, he has put that in such a profound way, in such in a such wise, wise way. And I think that to every woman listening out there um, 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 across Africa, We know that with the rising, you know, of the sun and the coming of the rain and the the ebb and the flow of the oceans, we um, have a huge contribution to make to life and the quality of life on this planet for our communities and for our children and for our families and for our places of work and our own businesses, if we're running our own businesses as well. And that um, I just want to wish them a a wonderful um, 2022, um, one that is safe, one that is peaceful, one that is deeply fulfilling, and one that is incredibly prosperous, not just in a material way, but in a deep deep spiritual way. So thank you very much for allowing me to to give that message from my heart to yours.
0: Thank you for sharing that special message as well as for sharing your conversation and your story with us on the show
1: today. It's uh, been a pleasure to host you. Thank you so much, Melia, and wishing you the very best too. Happy, happy new year.
0: You have been listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Dr. Shirley Zinn, who serves as a non-executive director on several corporate boards with a focus on strategic HR, business leadership, transformation, and women's development. Happy New Year.